Got it. Today's date is August the 13th, and we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, starting at page 66. Um, it is plain, wait, starting at page 66, it is plain uh, up to page 67, and including the paragraph, um, we never, what is it? We never retaliate. We never, no, we avoid retaliation or argument. I didn't get that very well. Um, okay, and the reading is going to be done by, um, who's, who's doing the reading? Aaron. Okay, Aaron is going to be doing the reading. I apologize, I'm under the weather today. Um, so it's time for the reading. Aaron, go ahead. All right. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again, and with us to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. We turned back to the list, for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. This was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick, though we did not like their symptoms and the way they, these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Thank you, Aaron. And today our speaker is Don G. Come on in, Don. Thanks so much, Rick, for kicking us off. And thanks, Aaron, for, for reading that today. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Don G. I'm from Texas, and it's uh, wonderful to be here with, with you all this morning. Um, when uh, the beginning readings were um, being read, the the phrase "We are neither cocky nor afraid" stood out to me um, this morning. I feel a little more fearful than normal, and I, I realized um, that other times, in order for me to feel ready um, to speak at a meeting, I um, often want to feel like I've arrived. And every time I feel like I've arrived, that's led to uh, no good because I get a little cocky. So um, this kind of nervousness, I think, is is God telling me um, to have some humility this morning. Um, so before I, um, well, it was funny last week, uh, in the middle of the week, I was reading these two pages, 
And um, I thought, oh, geez, what am I going to share on this? Um, the way I have a built-in forgetter um, about my food and the food behaviors, I have a built-in forgetter about how strong some of my reactions could have been um, when I was in the food. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed that my anger and all of my emotions don't feel quite as crazy and strong as they were when I was in the food. And, um, and uh, luckily, um, higher power has a lovely sense of humor and gave me uh, a real thing that I can share um, today. Before I get into that, and I'm sorry, I forgot to set my timer. Um, before I get into that, uh, just a quick, quick qualifier here. Um, so I've had food issues my entire life, whether they were, um, you know, I just didn't always realize it, but around nine years old, um, I had some, uh, some treats on Christmas Eve that a neighbor had brought over to my grandmother's. And it was the first time that I really, really realized I could not stop eating these. And it was this weird blend of um, this really awesome evening because I had this really cool skirt on as a nine-year-old, my family, it just seemed more joyous than normal. And so I had all of this loveliness around me and I thought it was really enhanced by these cookies, um, but I just could not stop eating. And it was, I just remember feeling really kind of um, terrified by it. And um, Anyway, so it went on. I mean, I would pay attention to how many pieces of everything that everyone in my family had. Um, I, I just didn't stop. But it was really after I moved out of my parents' home on my own um, is when things really kind of got kicked off. Um, I would just eat uh, all kinds of desserts because I was free to do whatever I wanted. I would just eat dessert after dessert as all my meals. It didn't matter. And it just... Um, you know, it got to the point that I couldn't stop, but I didn't realize anything about the allergic ingredients. I didn't realize, you know, what the issue was. The only way I could stop eating was to put um, used cat litter on my on my food so I could stop eating because that's the only thing that would prevent me from going in. You know, I'd put it in the sink, I, like before the cat litter, I'd put it in the sink, think the water would dilute it and make it gross. I'm like, oh, it's just water. I'll eat nasty stuff out of the sink. But the cat litter is the only thing that helped. And, um, you know, I ate out of the garbage. I, ate, I worked at a restaurant. I'd eat off of people's plates on food that they were going to throw away. Um, buffet night was the best night because there was always so much left over. I'd hide food in my car. I'd hide food in my closet. I'd always hide food. My uh, former coworker remembers that I always had food in my drawers. My pockets were full of crumbs because I always had cookies in my pockets. My foods were, you know, my clothes were stained. Um, with food all the time, and it's constantly dripping food on my stomach. Um, of course, clothes were quite hard to find. I, I, I think I peaked over 260 pounds. I really stopped weighing myself over 260. I, I don't know um, what I was at that point. And, um, you know, what my life was like in that, it just became increasingly smaller and smaller and smaller. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to interact with anybody. Um, it was just constant fear um, about everything. I, I got a promotion at work and it was a really great opportunity for me. And um, I was too embarrassed to get up and stand up in front of my team to do my job. So I would sit there and just really not do my job because I was just so much shame um, about being so heavy. So um, I, I have two turning. I first came to program in 2004, 2005. 
Um, I got abstinent. Um, I did not do it the big book way because I just didn't, didn't know about it. Um, so I thought I graduated and, um, you know, thinking I graduated, know everything. I, I, and I thought I was abstinent for years because I wasn't binging and eating my, my bad foods. Um, but I managed to gain 65 pounds in abstinence because, um, I just didn't understand, um, anything about the big book. So um, after, you know, a long abstinence or, or a long absence, um, I came back about three years ago. Um, and since then, I've lost about 80 pounds and really got um, involved in, in the big book. So um, it was in uh, Jan February of 2001 that I did a virtual region convention and I heard the words, um, uh, God, action, and honesty. And that's actually what got me into action and into the big book and to actually working the program in the way that I, I know now. So, um, you know, with uh, in this book, it talks about squander. Well, first of all, it talks about, you know, this resentment. Uh, first of all, resentment for me is living in the past. So, you know, I it's refeeling something, it's reliving something in the past. And um, as far as I know, there's no person I've ever met that's been able to change anything that's happened in the past. I have not been able to, um, you know, I've never met anybody. Well, maybe science someday will really allow that to happen. But as far as I know, it will not. So it's absolutely around futility or creates futility. And it says that we permit these things to the precise extent that we permit these. So, you know, I, I'm choosing at times to live in the past. I have a choice on how I can respond and react to these things. And um, the other day, when I thought I had nothing to talk about on this chapter, it was Friday afternoon and I was just, um, I, we kind of have Friday afternoons off, but I try to keep things going. I'm like, I'll just send this one last email. Well, I sent this email doing my job to close it out. And I get a response quickly from someone and uh, for response, let me tell you, I have not felt anger the way I felt like that in a long time. I was like, what is she doing? You know, this is crazy. Ah, I was so PO'd. So I had to take my daughter somewhere. So we went and um, I was not present zero with my daughter. We were in a store and I'm like flipping through stuff on the racks. I was so angry. And I'm like, what am I doing? And all of a sudden, I just had this moment where God was like, hello, this is your opportunity to talk about something practical that's happened and how you handled this. What are you doing in program right now? So one thing that I really do when I feel these emotions is um, use this phrase called a pale. Um, it's uh, pause, present, ask and listen. So I'm in the store and I'm just like, oh. I have to pause. Where am I? Where am I? The only thing happening in this moment is I am in the store. Whatever she said in this email did not happen or is not happening at this moment. I am absolutely present. So, um, and then, you know, I just had to, um, the presence is where am I feeling tension in my body? So the, the presence was all in my head. It was absolutely 100% in my head. And the big book talks about where does God, you know, God lives within our hearts. So I had to really pause, do some breath, do some breathing, breathe in. I do this thing where I breathe in God, bring it into all my cells, and I let it go. You know, whatever's not useful to me anymore. 
So first I had to just really get centered because it talks about here, you know, if our hope <clears throat> is the maintenance growth of a spiritual experience, um, me living in my head in the past in the email was absolutely not going to do that for me. Me bringing myself in connection with my higher power was, was really what I had to do. And, um, you know, for a moment there, I really was looking at um, how can I show her? What can I do? Um, you know, how can I, what kind of conversation can I have with her next week to say that I was, um, that I'm right. And, you know, it was just amazing. Like here I am, the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. No way do I have um, the luxury to do that. It's not authentic to me to do that. I had to really pause and think, how can I approach this person in a in a cooperative kind of way. And, um, you know, maybe it is a luxury of someone to come in and say, you know, you owe me this and this, I'm this role, you know, whatever the justification is for why she should have done what I wanted um, is possible, but it's, it's not me and it's not with this program and what my higher power says I should be doing. Um, and when I really looked at it, you know, this thing, it says where we turn back to the list, which held the key to the future, um, and the people, people are potential, perhaps spiritually sick. Um, quite honestly, all these things, I, I love the statement in here, in that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. In almost all of my experiences, people that I have resentments with, um, it's almost always fancied, you know, these, these people are not necessarily evil <laughs> and doing things to out to get me things. People are just acting in the way that I act. You know, we've all just learned how to behave and navigate through certain situations. And, um, you know, no one's, everybody has their own little agenda. Not that it's evil, not that it's bad, not that it's always self-centered, but we're just, you know, in our own spaces and we're doing our thing. And a lot of times people don't do what I like to do and what I think they should be doing. So, you know, as long as I live in a space that I think everybody else needs to be doing what I think they should be doing, um, I'm, abs I'm absolutely not putting God in the center. I'm putting myself in the center. And I'm not allowing that person to be who they are. And the more I live in that fantasy that someone else should be doing what I should be doing, it, it's, 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 it will kill me because um, it's not living in reality. And as long as I'm not living in reality, um, you know, um, I'm not staying connected to my higher power. And I love what one of our members says, you know, we're either in the solution or we're not in the, or in the problem. And for me, keeping God center and um, working in the solution means staying honest and real and open and looking of how I can be service. So I, I sat there in the middle of the store and I'm doing my 10 step in my head because I wasn't available. It, it just I couldn't call somebody right at that moment. And um, I'm like, OK, God, please help me show them tolerance, pity, patience here. and. You know, the dishonesty was was that I just assumed that she thought I was evil and uh, I was doing something to harm her. But the reality is, as I said, she just had her her point of view, her perspective, and it wasn't directed at me. 
So I, I really have to go back anytime I'm upset and in this place and really say, what is the truth of the situation? What, what is really happening in this situation? Am I, am I really being attacked? Am I really having some offense done against me? Or am I, am I just interpreting it differently? Am I being overly sensitive? I always thought I wasn't someone who is terribly sensitive, but I'm absolutely someone who's terrible sensitive and could be quite defensive on everything. And so it really takes me to set all that side, do my 10 step, look at where am I selfish? You know, I wanted things my way. I want to be liked all the time. I want to be seen as cooperative. Um, and the dishonesty was just really needing to set, you know, aside my own ideas and look for, you know, how, what is this other person? Like, what is their perspective? And, um, and it, I've been able to come to a place that it's much, much gentler. You know, I really, I, I mean, one of the areas in, that's really improved in my life, I had very adversarial relationships at work um, when I was in the food. Everybody was out to get me in my mind. And now that's one of the things that I've really, really seen a huge um, improvement in, um, in, is in my relationships um, at work. You know, I'm way more cooperative and people still are not doing what I think they should do, but I'm in a place now that I can really sit and listen and look to say, what is it that they need and how can I be of service to them? So rather than me planning my speech about what I'm going to say to tell this, this woman off and why she should do what I want, I really had to pay attention to this paragraph. You know, avoid retaliation and argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. We would destroy our chance of being helpful. And, you know, my job is to be helpful and be of service to my coworkers. It's not just to be in service to people here in, in program but it's to be in service to my family, to be in service to my coworkers and my neighbors and everybody. And as long as I'm coming in with an attitude that I'm right, um, that it's not gonna happen. And so I'm, I'm just so grateful <laughs> that, um, that God does have the sense of humor and had this uh, thing plopped in my lap here to say, you know, um, how, how can I put God back in the center? get in my own lane, understand that my coworker has her lane and that she has her objectives and her goals and that I can absolutely be cooperative and understand how to, how to move forward. Um, pardon me with the noise. Um, one exciting thing is, you know, now I deal with all these emotions without this calling of food behind it all of the time. Before this is absolutely something I would have eaten over and I would have eaten all day. Um, when I first came to program, I was a huge binger. Um, when I thought I was abstinent and, and not really in program, I just ate all day, nonstop, all day. And, you know, I just didn't feel like I needed to do that anymore. And so things come up. Um, things are always going to come up. Thing, people are not going to do things my way. Um, but now, you know, I have a tool for doing that. I have to, I have, um, I have the opportunity to pause, you know, just what am I feeling right now? Really identify that feeling. I have the opportunity to be present and say, where am I? Where in my body am I feeling anxiety? I have the opportunity to bring God in. I have the opportunity to ask God what I should be doing in that situation. 
you know, that's that. Um, and what is my role in this? And I have the opportunity to listen. I tend to not want to listen. I'm not a great listener. And um, so I can just listen for what God's response is to me and how I how I need to respond in that right in that space. And then what um, what actions I need to take out of that. So in this, you know, even though this is a, a step four thing, um, I see step one in it. I need to be honest with my feelings and identify my emotions and what's going on and be honest with my role in it. Um, but there's surrender in here, too, you know. Um, there's 10 step in here. There's, there's surrender in here. And there's really asking for guidance and direction from a higher power so that I can take a kindly and tolerant view towards each and every one. So um, today I'm just super grateful. One of the things I didn't do in program the first time was 10 steps. And even after I came back, you know, I, I had relapsed um, six months in when I came back. And one of our fellows is like, you're not doing 10 steps. You're not doing 10 steps. And I'm like, I am. And really, no, I wasn't. So now doing 10 steps, it's absolutely a daily part of, um, you know, a regular part of my program. And, and I wouldn't wouldn't be um, maintaining my weight loss and my abstinence if, if I weren't doing that. Um, so this is, you know, I know I kind of presented it more in a, a 10 step than than in fourth. But to me, they're they're kind of one and the same. Um, so I really appreciate um you know, having this opportunity to speak today and um, look forward to everybody's, uh, everybody's shares and uh, really, really appreciate the, the time this morning. So thank you so much.